Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. everybody. Yeah, I'm Pastor Charles, and I have my own fan section over here. You can tell I pay him to do that, so that's why he gets my name, okay? It's so good to be here with uh, with every one of you today. Uh, I was just in the other room, just kind of waiting on God as I was getting ready to come up here, because I'm pitching today for uh, for Pastor Chad as we continue on with the series, Uh, and we'll talk to you a little bit about that. Uh, but uh, how many have seen a robin yet? Yeah, well, I want to know they're back. And man, I tell you, they are back in droves, and it's good to know. It's a, that, that sign of spring uh, that we all look forward to. So uh, they're back. And I also, I got a friend of mine, excuse me, <clears throat> I got a friend of mine over on uh, Home Street by the name of Sean Blackburn. And, and Sean is watching this morning, so everybody say hi to Sean, okay? <laughs> hi, Sean. <clears throat> and so we're glad to just be able here to be with you and also uh, just be uh, in the presence. <clears throat> My goodness, what presence uh, that I could sense uh, coming from here through that wall and just enjoying my own time of worship, uh, you know, with the Lord. And so uh, I just want to say thank you for being sensitive uh, to, to what the Holy Spirit is doing here this morning. So I want to direct your attention to the series uh, that, that we are in. We're in a series, it's all on engagement. And, and we're talking about being engaged with the, the Holy Spirit, uh, being engaged with the Word of God, uh, <clears throat> being engaged with one another, uh, being engaged with our community. And this morning, we want to continue on talking to you about spiritual gifts. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about spiritual gifts, and we want to talk about how we can engage engage uh, with our spiritual gifts. Pastor Chad made a comment last week, and he said that every one of us, and I, and I believe this is true, every one of us that is a Christ follower, uh, every one of us has at least one gift, and, and I believe that. I, I believe that uh, for the majority of us that we have more more than, than one, one gift. And, and so today, what the, the challenge is how we use the gift that God has given to us. And, and I think it's so critical uh, that we, we are using what God has given to us. The Bible speaks a lot about uh, those that have been given and then they don't use it or they squander and so forth. So we do have a responsibility to, to know uh, how to use what God has given to us, and so that we we can we can engage. So I, I'm hoping this morning in this sermon that there's at least one or two points that will bring some tension to your life, uh, so that it'll, it'll prompt a a, a response. Um, years ago, and since then, uh, we started a long time ago on this, but uh, throughout the years and throughout pastoring here in this church and other churches, we would have what they call is a work bee. 
Have you ever heard of a work bee? Usually what a work bee was all about is that the church, you know, after time, maybe it's coming out of winter, or maybe some things have just been collecting around, and, and you just need to call for a, for a work bee. Well, uh, my experience has been that the turnouts for work bees have been less than stellar. Uh, we've had some tremendous organizers. There's nothing to do with, uh, with, with the organizers. And, and usually what happens if it's an outdoor thing, we're saying people bring a rake and, or bring some uh, trimmers or bring a wheelbarrow or something like that. Immediately, people get in their head, oh, uh, I, I don't have a rake. Um, uh, I, I'm going to be, uh, you know, I, I don't have a wheelbarrow. Uh, I, I can't do that. And all kinds of I- excuses come up. And, and so we have the faithful few that will show up and, and we work on the, uh, the, the jobs at hand. But people often say to us, well, you know, I'd like to, uh, but I, I'm too busy. Now, on the other hand, there are, there are inspirational stories. There are, there are, there are inspirational stories that, that abound, especially when a community responds to a natural disaster. When you, when you see, and often we'll see it on the news, uh, where uh, it might be a flood, uh, it might be a fire, uh, it, it might be uh, some other uh, hurricane that's just gone through, a tornado has gone through, and it's just, just, just ravaged. And as we watch uh, on the news, you, you see a, a community that, that responds uh, uh, immediate, immediately. It, it, it's a traumatic uh, uh, event. And you know what? When you watch the people respond, nobody, nobody is saying, well, um, uh, let me see. Uh, let me see if I have any, any tools. Uh, I, you, know, uh, oh, you know what? I, I can't do that right now because I'm busy. Now, you don't, you don't see that at all because people respond. There's no waiting around but rolling up the sleeves and let's get at it attitude. So here's my point. There have been several sermons, talks, podcasts, books, and assessment tools on spiritual gifts. Everybody wants to know what their spiritual gift is. Which are all good. But at the end of the day, the general consensus is, and we've done this before. Pastors, we've gotten together and said, man, great, we came across this tool. And everybody's going to discover their spiritual gifts. And, and then when they discover that spiritual gifts, we're going to be able to plug them in. We'll get them help us over in this ministry, help them to do that ministry. And you know what happens? It's, it's hilarious. At the, at the end of the assessment, and everybody has discovered, and we kind of stroked them a little bit, and they said, oh, yeah, that's my gift. That's my gift for sure. It said, well, we got a job for you. And you know what they tell us? I'm, I'd like to, but I'm too busy. I'm too busy. So spiritual gifts, they're, they're all good. But at, at the end, the general consensus is, if I have time, I'll help out and share my gift with you. Okay, a little tension. There's a little tension here. Okay, so here, here's, here's another point. Um, spiritual gifts are always to be understood in the context of kingdom advancement. Kingman, kingdom advancement. Let me say that again. 
Spiritual gifts are always to be understood in the context of kingdom advancement. Understanding and applying spiritual gifts in the context of kingdom advancement is critical. If we don't understand the urgency of the kingdom, the gifts get relegated. To speak on spiritual gifts, I observe, without the urgency of the kingdom advancement is to relegate the gifts outlined for us in the New Testament as optional or personal preference. Let's look at a passage of scripture found over in Ephesians chapter 4. And this is talking about some of the, the, the more uh, administrative gifts, but it, it applies this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse, verse 11, Paul writes this to this church, and he says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. And in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Man, what, what a description here of the, the intent and, and the purpose of gifts within the body. And then Paul goes on to say, then we will no longer be infants or immature, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. It addresses a lot of things when the gifts are working properly. Uh, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, uh, um, become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Thanks, Paul. That's a great description of how the, how the gifts work and the, uh, the production and what it would, how it applies to us locally. So the initial picture, the initial picture one gets as they read this scripture is a well-oiled machine. I mean, like things are working here. You read this passage of scripture and you see how that the body works together. Uh, you see how the body grows and it functions. I mean, it's healthy. Uh, you see that it, it's counteracting things that could be detrimental to, to the, uh, the growth of the faith community or any other community, quite frankly. And so what Paul describes to us here in this passage of scripture is, is what we would say is a well-oiled uh, machine. The model Paul gives us, and perhaps it was a teaching model, but the, the model Paul gives us is one, and get this, and I, just, and I was just really inspired to come up with these couple of words because I, I thought it really brought it together quick like. So the model Paul gives us is one of inextricable function. Inextricable function. I mean, I mean like in other words, Man, I tell you, you cannot separate what's supposed to be going on within the body. There is function wherever you go. You don't, you know, you don't see the sideline thing. You don't hear about being busy or anything like that. But you see this inextricable function going on within the body of Christ because it's, it's flowing. It's from the head down, and, and there, there's, this, uh, uh, there's this recognition. Uh, uh, Paul goes on to say we need each other. We need each other so that we can grow and, and be 
strong. So, whether it is the gifts mentioned here in Ephesians 4, and there are, there are chapters, and, and the Bible scholars in the room, you're all over this, but there's Ephesians chapter 4, uh, there's Romans chapter 12, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as well. All the gifts have been given for, I like this, for the mutual benefit of the body of Christ. So, I observe this, that if the body of Christ is to function and be everything we believe that it should be, there needs to be a healthy awareness of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of heaven. I mean, it was one of his central topics. He was always talking about how that he, that's what he was about. He was about advancing the kingdom. That's why he was here. He was doing the Father's will. He was here so that the, that the kingdom would be accomplished here uh, on, on, on earth. There's a, there's a very um, interesting passage of Scripture found over in Matthew chapter 13. And if you have your Bibles turned there, uh, and you can uh, just kind of look along with me as I just point out some things in Matthew chapter 13. But it, Matthew 13 really is a, is a summary of what Jesus has been teaching now for the last three or four chapters. And he's been talking quite a bit uh, about the kingdom. But in chapter 13 of Matthew, uh, 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 Jesus goes in and he has this, has this way of summarizing everything. He's going to tell some stories, and, and we refer to them as parables. But, but Jesus will tell these, these stories or, or short illustrations to summarize the, the, the importance of the kingdom, the nature of the kingdom, the urgency uh, of the kingdom. Uh, beginning in, in, in verse, thir- three, uh, verse 3, sorry, uh, in verse 3, uh, uh, what uh, Jesus talks about, he talks about the sower. And the seed, and and as you read along, you'll see that he talks about this sower that goes out, and he's got, and he's planting seed, and he's kind of just throwing it everywhere. But it, it falls on four different types of ground, and I'm going to go in that right now. But once again, it was all about how the kingdom uh, is uh, is to be uh, uh, thrown out there and be made available. Uh, Jesus, in this parable, he talks about that the the kingdom is really it's it's it has this indiscriminate nature i mean it's there it's for for everyone yeah it it falls on different grounds but the kingdom is there to reach all and then later on down and there's a lot that he says about those uh the sower and and planting and throwing out the seed there but you go out and down to verse 31 and then jesus tells another story another parable and he talks about the mustard seed and, and when he talks about the mustard seed, he talks about how that this is considered one of the smallest seeds. Uh, and, and then as it, as it grows, it, it grows uh, and it becomes like a tree and, and the birds uh, can, can nest in, uh, in, in its branches. And so as Jesus, as he's talking about, about the kingdom mustard seed, he's talking about small beginnings and the latent nature of the kingdom. The kingdom doesn't just come upon you and roll you over, but it it comes and it finds its place in your life and it begins to spread throughout your life. And and as it does, it it finds its dominance in in, in your life. Uh, In in verse 33, uh, uh, Jesus, he talks about, he talks about yeast, and, uh, I, I, and I'm, not, I'm not a baker, and I've never done anything. I've never made any bread before, but I understand that yeast is very important. Uh, and, and so he talks about the nature of yeast and how that it just permeates. 
it permeates in, and it makes its way into the, to the, the lump of uh, uh, dough and it causes it uh, to rise. And, and, and uh, so he talks about the, the permeating uh, uh, aspect of the kingdom. He's talking about the indiscriminate uh, uh, part of the kingdom, uh, the, the small beginnings. And then he talks. He tells a story. It's an interesting story. He, he talks about the farmer that goes out and plants his field of wheat. Uh, and as he plants it, and it's, it, it, he successfully gets the seed out there. For some very uh, uh, subtle, uh, evil, uh, you know, diabolical reason, an enemy comes along, and the enemy throws a whole bunch of weeds uh, into the to the wheat field, uh, and then then the workers are all upset as they come back to the owner and say, "What's going on? We planted wheat, and now look, somebody." You know, somebody's planted weeds in this thing. And so, so they said, what do you want us to do? And uh, their, their first response is, do you want us to go in there and pull out the weeds? Do you, do you want us to go and uproot the weeds? And, and, and the, the wise uh, owner of the land, he says, no, don't do that. Don't do that. He says, because if you do that, you're going you're gonna to uproot the wheat. And so I think some of the, the message that, that Jesus was, was trying to get across as he was talking about the kingdom and its advancements, he was pointing out that, that the kingdom's advancement does not go unchallenged. The kingdom, the kingdom has, has an enemy who opposes the advancement of the kingdom. And so Jesus used the, the illustration of the wheats and uh, and the tears to point out, yeah, the kingdom is all about growth and harvest and so forth, but there is an enemy out there. There's an enemy that's out to slow down the advancement of the kingdom. And that's where you and I come in, because you and I are to be engaging with the kingdom, and you and I are to take our spiritual gifts and engage with them, and yet there's an enemy out there that wants to slow you down. There's, a, there's an enemy that wants to neutralize your effectiveness, your presence. And then Jesus tells another parable. And let's, once again, these are very short parables. He talks about a treasure in the field. And he talks about this treasure where, where this, this individual comes along, and it's by accident, and he discovers this treasure. He, and just, I don't know what he was doing, but he digs it up, and he's, wow, look at all this. And then what he does, he goes and buries it in another location just in case somebody else is going to come along. And so he buries it in another location, and he buys the whole field so that he can get not only the treasure, but the, but, but the field as well. And so it seems like what Jesus is trying to say here, and as far as the kingdom is concerned, that the kingdom is of priceless worth. That the, the kingdom requires that we sell everything that we have. And he uses another illustration, another parable that's very similar. And it's the pearl of great price where Jesus emphasized the need to give up everything. And it talks about this merchant. He's looking around. And he's, he's obviously, he's, he's been looking around for pearls, and that's, that's his thing. But then he comes across this one pearl. That it's, 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 the, it's the biggest pearl that he's ever seen. It's the finest pearl that he's ever seen. And he realizes that this is the pearl. And so he sells everything so they can have the pearl. And once again, it's just that emphasis that the kingdom requires that you and I just give up. Give up everything we have so that we can serve him. Serve him with commitment. Serve him with fervor. Serve him with 
effectiveness. So the kingdom of heaven, Jesus taught, is like a fishing net. That's another parable in verse 47. And I said, that's another interesting thought. So he talks about this fishing net, and he says that the fishing net goes out, and it brings in all kinds of fish. But then when they go to kind of sort things out, that there's some fish in the net that are kind of, uh, they're not edible, or they're, they're ugly fish. And, and the Bible talks about how that, that the, the fishermen, they actually discard some of the fish that got into the net. And yet, so what was Jesus' point? Well, Jesus' point is this, is that, that the kingdom is for everybody, but not everybody. Not everybody will acknowledge the kingdom. Not, not, every, not everyone wants to be part of the kingdom. So, so this is what Jesus is doing throughout, throughout you know, just Matthew 13. He's, he's talking about the kingdom, and he's stressing over and over. It's, it's important. It's important. This is why I've come. To advance the kingdom, and, and it, it's, it, it's incredible uh, dynamics, or the, the, the dynamics of the kingdom and its impact. So the kingdom was always central to the teaching of Christ, and when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, how to pray, he said, um, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yeah, got it, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. If you didn't hear that online, you got people here that, man, are just quoting the scripture. They know exactly where I'm going. It's, it's the Lord's Prayer. And so, you know, just once again, there it was. Every time you, you bump Jesus, you're going to get talking to him, you know he's going to be talking to you uh, about the kingdom. So he taught them how to pray. Then there's this verse. Then there's this verse. In Luke 16, 16. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presseth into it. So the key word in the passage of Scripture is presseth. I mean, you know, kind of you're stepping right into it. You're leaning into it. You're, you're giving some weight. Uh, in one version, the phrase goes like this. Uh, the word, instead of saying presseth, they say, and everyone is forcing their way into the, to, to the kingdom. And it's just like you see people, you know, you know, on Black Friday, and they're trying to get into the place, and just everybody's trying to press themselves in. It's that kind of picture, only it's trying to get into the kingdom. Into the kingdom. So Matthew uh, eleven twelve, 12, another verse on this, the kingdom. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and, and violent people are attacking it. You can go several ways on this verse. But sadly, sadly, and this is tension point, tension point. You don't have to agree with me on this, but this is a tension point. Sadly, there is very little pressing in or forceful advancement of the kingdom. Unless the followers of Christ realize, unless the followers of Christ realize we are in a war. Unless the followers of Christ realize we are in a war. There's no pressing in. There's no taking the kingdom by force and going ahead with it. Ephesians chapter 6 Ephesians chapter 6 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Uh, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. So, all right, so he's talking in this. It makes it quite clear that, man, we we are in a battle. We, we, we are not uh, uh, with flesh and blood. I have, a, I have a close friend of mine. It's a ministry, uh, and he contends over and over again that when you and I see something going on in the natural, that God is doing something greater in the supernatural. And that he, he keeps on, and he points out different things in, in, in our world and previous in history, uh, of just things that happen historically, what we would see in our world, but yet God was doing something greater uh, greater in, in, in the spiritual realm. So I observe about this passage, passage of Scripture. It says that we're, we're not wrestling with flesh and, flesh and blood, but we're against these principalities. You don't put on armor if there is no battle or awareness of conflict. You're not going to put the armor on if you're not aware that there is a battle or there is a conflict. Um, in the Ukraine... That's a, man, it, it, it should be centered in all of our lives. And, and, but in, the, in the Ukraine, just, just for example, there, there are teenagers. There are, there are young ladies. And you see pictures of these beautiful Ukrainian girls. And, man, they got their guns and they're dressed up in their, you know, their camouflage outfits. What are they doing? Man, they're going to the streets. They're going to the streets. They're going to defend their kingdom. They're going to defend because, because they realize that they are in a battle. There's, I mean, there's a war raging. I mean, this is not business as usual. This is no time for manicures and pedicures. I mean, this man, they're picking up. You see, you see pictures of that. Um, uh, uh, why? Because they're in the battle for their lives. They're Ukrainian couples. Um, I, and I read this the other day. Ukrainian couples, uh, they've been living with each other and common law and so forth, but they decided they want to get married. They want to get married. And, 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 and the message that they, they, they convey is, is that, man, they want a legacy. They, they realize that they're in the battle, and they don't know really how all things are going to turn out. But, man, they want to leave a legacy and a commitment to each other and, and, and a commitment uh, to, to, uh, to their country. These people, the examples that I'm giving to you is that they're doing these things is because the stakes are incredibly high. So the armor of God is more than a fashion statement. You put on armor because you intend to engage. You put on armor because you really believe there is something worth fighting for. Okay. So, you know, the point here is this. If, if you realize you're in a battle... And, and you realize that the kingdom is, is the, the advancement of the kingdom is, is, is to be one of our number one driving forces. Then the gifts that God has given to you, you know you've got to use them. You may not know how to use them, but I'll tell you, when you're in a battle, when you're in a war, you know what you do? You just roll up your sleeves and you step and say, I don't know what's going to happen next, but I'm going to do my part. 
and I'm going to be there, and I'm going to put my life out there so that, that my, my country or my God can use me. And so that, that as we step out, then God gives us the opportunity, and he uses what is given to us, not for our own personal preferences, not for our own fancies, but the advancement of the kingdom. The New Testament church understood the urgency of the kingdom. And I'm going to, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture and then close with a couple of comments here. <clears throat> in, in Acts chapter uh, 5, the day of Pentecost had taken place. The Holy Spirit had been poured out. I mean, there was all kinds of upset going on in the city of Jerusalem. And especially the high priests and the officials, they weren't too happy with what's going on. And so I'm going to read this passage of Scripture, and you'll, you'll see how it all fits in together here this morning. The high priest and his officials, who were Sadducees, were filled with jealousy because of what was going on in the church. I mean, people were getting saved, people were getting healed, and uh, all, all kinds of uh, incredible things were taking place in Jerusalem. So what happens is they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. You know, advancement of the kingdom. It, it does have its ramifications. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened up the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then the angel told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. Go back to the same people that you were talking to. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple, as they were told, and immediately began teaching. When the high priest and his officials arrived, they convened the high council, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and then they sent for the apostles to be brought from the jail for trial. But when the temple guards went to the jail, uh, the men were gone. So they returned to the council and reported, the jail was securely locked with the guards standing outside, but when we opened the gates, no one was there. Wouldn't you love to be there? Okay, when the captain of the temple guard and the leading priest heard this, they were perplexed, wondering where it would all end. And then someone arrived with the startling news, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple teaching the people. Talk about the kingdom of it being advanced. Uh, talking about using the gifts that God had given to them. The captain went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles, but without violence, for they were afraid the people would stone them. Then they brought the apostles before the high council where the high priest confronted them. And this is what they said. We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name. Um, and then, then he said, instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him. And you want to make us responsible for his death. Oh, man, what a picture. What a picture of the church advancing the kingdom. What a picture of the church using the gifts that God had given to them. And what were they doing? They were filling Jerusalem. They had filled Jerusalem with the teaching of Jesus. Question for us this morning as we think about the gifts and engaging our gifts and as we think about advancing the kingdom. This is how it works. It works as we answer this question. How are we filling Stratford? How are we filling Mitchell? How are we filling St. Mary's, Milverton, Millbank, Tavistock? How are we filling these areas, this community with Jesus? Reading an interesting book these days that suggests that the way that we did church in the 20th century is we can no longer do that. 
And, and the suggestion is very clear, and we all know that now since we have been through a period of pandemic, that the way that we do church is different, and I believe it's more effective. And, and I believe that we are getting the gospel far, uh, far more quickly and far uh, uh, further by, by all means uh, with the impact. And so the, the book that I'm reading is called, the Star, it's called Starfish and, and the Spirit. And, and, and their, their challenge to the church was is it's like a dream. It's, it's like a vision. And they're talking to the church. And here's what they're saying to the church. They're saying to us. They're saying, imagine. Just imagine with us. Just imagine just for a few moments this morning. This is about kingdom. I mean, this is about, this is about using the gifts that God has given to you. Imagine if every street in your city, in your town, had at least two people who said, I will bless the people on my street. Just imagine, just imagine that there are two people that will say, I will be in prayer for each neighbor on my street. I mean, advancing the kingdom. I mean, the kingdom is important. We're in a battle. We're in, we're in a war. It's a war not only just for us, but it's for those neighbors of ours. Imagine, imagine, imagine this, that there are two people that will say, I will listen deeply to the story of my neighbors in my neighborhood. Two neighbors that somehow, somehow are able to figure this out. They say, you know what? We will eat. We will eat with them. We will eat with them. Because advancing the kingdom is the most important thing that we can do. Because of using everything that God has given to me, we will. We will eat with them. We will serve them. And, and we say to each other, we will share the good news as the gospel is planted in that context. Jesus draws people to himself. Disciples are multiplied. And a house, a new expression of the church emerges. I'm asking the worship team to come back. There's one song they got to sing for us this morning. And the worship song they're going to sing this morning is, I speak Jesus. I speak Jesus in the mountains over every street. I speak Jesus. And this morning, I want to enclose my thoughts as Carlo and the team will come and they will lead us in this song. I do want to remind us that we are in a battle. And we are going to roll up our sleeves. And let's be engaged and take Jesus and take Jesus to the streets. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 